This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with two full-blown kids. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a toddler. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, maybe I can't solve it like I used to. Plus, Biz misses consistency. Teresa is still ruining birthdays, and we talk to author Patrice Karst and Dr. Dana Weiss about helping children process grief. Woo! It's another one of those intros that feels weird to woo after. Yeah, you shouldn't woo after the word grief. It was literally the word grief (laughs) that led into our woo. To the woo. So you cannot woo. Well, if we're if the woo represents all that is parenting, oh, mm, is that yeah. what it represents? Yeah. Then woo. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Teresa. Yes. Speaking of, I guess so. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. We had a pretty good weekend. Getting really good at this. Oh yes, you are. So my baby. Yeah. Curtis. Your baby. You're, I think Curtis is what like eight months old. Yeah. <laughs> He is my eight-month-old baby. It's about yep. to turn three. You think you're eight months it's, old, but you're really three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we actually took down the crib over the weekend, which was like kind of like the last yeah, that's thing. It. That was kind of the, it. Like yeah. the last, th- you know, like I feel fine about it. I guess it's going to hit me later. Um, and he's doing great. But so his birthday's next week and... I'm sure it's like on a weekday, so I'm sure they'll like we'll do something at school, like a yeah. little thing at school. But this is a no parties year for the Thorn children. Okay, okay. so I I think I talked yeah, about yeah we talked about no party years. I, last year was a party year. Yeah, everyone had a party. Technically, his party was just a family party because he was turning two, and he wasn't in school yet. But it was still a we still like yeah. had a party. This year is a no party year again. But he doesn't really remember, like, he doesn't really understand or get that. And so the most recent birthday that anyone in our family had was Oscar's birthday, which was at the end of October. And he had a birthday party at a park. Right. So apparently, Curtis has been expecting, when we've been talking about his birthday coming up, he's been expecting he's going to have his birthday at a park. And I not knowing this, have been all, like, thinking, what are we going to do for his birthday to make it special? And he's been, my kids are really into Legos. He's been really into Legos recently. Legoland is not that far away. We haven't yeah. been since he was a baby. It's, like, a pretty chill family theme yeah. park day. I'm, like, perfect. He can do a lot of the things now. It'll be really fun. So I'm thinking I'm doing this great, amazing, like, I'm thinking this yeah. is going to, like, blow everyone's minds because that's, like, a pretty special yeah. thing to do. So I I brought it up to him yesterday, like, so for your birthday, we're going to go to Legoland. And he's like, no. <laughs> like, he's horrified. Yeah. And he's like, my birthday is going to be at a park. Oh, my God. I'm having yes. my birthday at the park, like Oscar. And I'm sitting here just staring yeah, at yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally staring at him because I'm thinking to myself, you don't understand how, like, yeah. first of all, I can't just be like, but it's not going to be a part. Like, he thinks, that, he doesn't think of it as a party versus anything else. It's just your birthday. This yeah. is your birthday. 
And so I can't, I was just like, oh my God. And it's just like the idea of like explaining this and trying to like talk my kid into a trip to Legoland, which is like a big drive. It's like a really big effort (laughs) for all of us. Yeah. So then I'm thinking, are we, and now my other kids are super excited. They're excited. Because they really want to go. They overheard you say this. They overheard me say it. Oh. So they're all excited. (laughs) Oscar's trying to convince Curtis. He's going, he's like trying to tell him things you can do there. And Curtis is kind of looking at him like, maybe. And so now, I don't know. This, that's yeah. the end of this for now. Yeah. Like, to be continued. Sure. But I'm basically just like, you guys, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. Like, I don't want to do it at a park. No. I don't want to have a party after I came up with this scheme where yeah. it's a non-party year. Yep. I don't want to take him to a park and not have a party because sure. that will be sad. Yeah. And he will not understand that. Right. And I don't want to like force a theme park day, yeah. which is going to be really expensive. Yeah. This is this is a slippery slope moment. It is. This is because part because the other thing you I interrupted you from saying was yeah. I also don't want to go back on the no, you know, if you say, okay, fine. Yeah. Well, fine. We'll do it right. at the park, right? That's a slippery slope. That's because a slippery slope because then my kids the other then children feel they can also yes. switch this around. And what I didn't say, what is maybe obvious, is that it's his third birthday, and I want him to be happy. Of course. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's not just about that. Like, I must deliver a good birthday. <laughs> it's not even just that. That like weird mom guilt thing. Right. It's like. Uh, it's like it's exciting. I want him to have a special day. Like I really do yes, want him to be happy. You do. do you know what I mean? Yeah. This is one of those things that, like, again, pre-kids or even like very beginning of kids in your house yeah. is a scenario. Yeah. That I would never imagine. Yeah. Like the layers to it. Right. At, like, but now you got like halfway into that story, and, and you when knew. you said, yeah. I told him, and he said no, and then I couldn't say anything. Like, yeah. You're like, I couldn't. I was like, that's like the life flashing before yeah. your eyes moment, yeah. right? Where you're like, I everything slows down, yeah. and your brain's going through all the things you just talked about, yeah. And everybody around you, and like the other kids are like, we're on, and yeah. you, what are you gonna like? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. I'm tired. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That's a big... I thought I knew the answer to that question, and I didn't know the answer. So now... Classic (laughs) parenting. Classic. How are you, Biz? I am tired. Okay. I'm tired. Whatever. Getting older. (laughs) Getting older. (laughs) Body's doing its own thing. Children are still in my house. So is Devin. That's a good thing. Yeah. Consistency. Mm. I miss it. I miss... Being able to, like, say, I'd like to do a thing, mm-hmm. and I'd like it to happen every day. Mm. And just, it's it can't. Yeah. It's like it can't. I know. And I don't know how to explain to people. It just. Sometimes it can't. It, it just. Yes. It can't yeah. happen. Yeah. And that's so frustrating. Yep. I, I think we even said on the show once. We are consistently being inconsistent. Like, if there's mm-hmm. one bit, is that yeah. you're never going to get consistent. And then I'm like, why can't I? And then I'm like, what does it have to be to become a consistent thing? Right? right. Like, 
can you be consistent once a month? Is that a real? <laughs> right. And then is it really a question of consistency yeah. at that point in time? Yeah. The answer is no to all those things. Yeah. I miss consistency. It's like I a theory. Yeah. Like a universal theory that I no longer am able to comprehend. Yes. It doesn't exist for me. Yay. That Can I say something yeah, about that? Sure. Though? Like, I feel like that is for my personality anyway. Yeah. That has truly been one of the hardest things about parenting because I have this tendency to think, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'll solve this problem by just doing it like this every single day every from time. now on. Yeah. And it makes me feel better because that used to work. That used to work. <laughs> and what, and the problem is we th- we sometimes still think I can just do this yeah. with sheer willpower sure. and energy because we're imagining the energy we have when we were 26, Yeah, if we're honest. Yeah. But also we're just imagining like I can make this happen because I'm really good at executing. Like yeah. I'm really good at making stuff happen. Yeah. But now no. we don't actually have that control anymore. Correct. So we can't willpower ourselves through stuff that right. we used to be able to willpower ourselves through. Yeah. And we're still expending that same energy trying to do it. Yeah. We're just getting shut down. Shut down. Surprise, Teresa. I think this should actually be our topic for today. Wow. Let's, let's not be consistent <laughs> and just change everything we were going to talk about. Okay. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa, that was something that used to work. Yeah. I think is a great... A great umbrella for why not being able to be consistent is frustrating. I like this was not going to be our topic for the day, but now I think it's a great topic to explore because we clearly have things to say about it. Because I am like, we are not the same people. We've discovered that many times on the show. Yeah. But I too think when things aren't consistent, my brain immediately goes for. I will make these changes, Mm -hmm. and then that will help me become more consistent. Mm -hmm. The whole line of thinking is, I'd like to be doing such and such on a regular basis. And that could be something with my children, right? Because it's not just consistency with Mm self-care. It's consistency with house rules. It's consistency with is this a birthday year or not? Yeah. It's consistency with our partners mm-hmm. or our friends or our work. There are lots of places consistency is supposed to be happening in our lives, and it is hard to do. So, again, going back, I say I need more consistency for, let's say it's self-care. I can do this by changing X, Y, and Z in my day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can do that. That That's not a problem, right? Yeah. I've done it. I used to do it all the time. Just a little willpower. Just a little, a little of the old commitment. Yeah. And I, that's not it. Why? Yeah. Why? What happened? Is it really just that we're tired or that there are more people like involved in our consistency that like 
Can we not be consistent because of the constant interruption or the noise or, you know, should we feel bad that like, I, why can't I just commit to this one simple act? Yeah. Is it me yeah. or is it everybody else? Can I try yeah. to answer that question? Oh, sure. Because I think it's like a lot of, I think it's a lot of things. I think for one thing, this whole premise disregards all the consistency we are bringing to every single day. And there's a fatigue there. Like mm. how much structure can I be responsible for keeping together on our lives? Like, because no. we do. Yeah, we no, it's true. There are a some lot things. of stuff. There is a it's like president of every everything type stuff. Right. Like we set up so many things, you know, from like the way our houses are set up, from our to like Meal our weekly times, schedule, meals, right, children's kids schedules, sleep, yeah. sleep, yeah, all that's the true. stuff, brushing any teeth. activities or therapies or thing, right. you know, or yeah. stuff that we need to do for work, like. It's just, it's a lot, and oh, it's yeah. so much more than it was before. So, like, I feel like mm. on the one, on like, this, there is a big part of this that is back when it was just me or just me and Jesse. Yeah. There were a, just a lot less things to be in charge of. Right. To the point where if there was something new that I wanted to be in charge of, like an exercise goal or a cooking goal right. or like right. a social, go- you know, like yeah. if there was something like that, there was space in my life and in my brain to take those things on mm-hmm. and do them. And then because there was space and energy for me to take that on, I was able to be effective at it because there wasn't a lot of interference. Like the main interference was myself. Correct. And so I could overcome myself because I had the energy most of the time yeah. and do it. And then once you do it, you feel good because you're doing it. Right. So then you see that you can do it and then you can keep doing it because you see yourself as someone who can do this. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, no, I do. So like, I feel like now even the idea that there is something I can be doing differently or better or more of right. is kind of flawed. Like... <laughs> Uh, like <laughs> that, <laughs> like just the concept, unless it's something that really saves me time right away right. or really makes things better right away. Right. Anything that's like, I'd let, I would, I can be a room parent. Right. I that's can a good one. take okay. a parenting class. I can go to the gym more. Right. I like all of those things are, I can add on this activity for one of my kids. Right. I can do better at it's like the New Year's resolution yeah. thing. It's an idea that is based in nothing. It's not an <laughs> achievable goal. It's not do you know what I mean? Like yes! or or if I'm gonna do it, something else is sacrificed because I'm maxed. I'm right. totally maxed. The next part to that is that so then if I do delude myself enough into thinking I should do one of these things, then the f- the first failure is the reminder, I can't, this was too much. I can't actually take this on. And then that's it. Yeah. It's it- over. It's not like a, well, it didn't work this time. Let's keep trying. You know, I know I can do this right. anymore. Because I, I, as soon as the first failure, then I see like, oh yeah, remember, I can't do stuff. Okay. I'll just say this. The first word that came to my mind, depressing. Yeah. 
This is depressing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll move on past that. I have something I, also about it that isn't depressing. Okay, but I mean, you go first. You can initial, say why it's depressing. Yeah. The initial response yes. is depressing. Yeah. Because it goes back to that whole I am a self theory as well. The mm-hmm. like, if the things that we want to take on or if the one failure indicates we shouldn't have even had that thought mm-hmm. in the first place, that sort of like, I can't have anything yeah. nice, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I'm a... Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right, whatever that yes. is. Which then makes I us shouldn't not, try. I shouldn't try. Yeah. I don't deserve nice things. Yeah. And that is something, whether we want to or not we are trying to to work yeah. on, we are consistently trying not to be that yes person yes so that's one thing yeah the other thing that you talked about was you said the word fatigue mm, yeah and i think this is interesting when it comes to consistency because when you were telling that story at the beginning about curtis and the birthday uh-huh. and None of that being what you thought that was going to be. <laughs> yeah. I thought fatigue uh-huh. does not help with consistency for yeah. like house rule consistency yeah. or self-consistency. Because fatigue's the one that's like, yep, I saved this time yeah. to do this thing yep. for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> not going to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. T- sleeping was not the thing I was going to do. Yeah. But I think that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Right? Like, consistency is so tied together with the slippery slope of either slipping mm-hmm. into house rules going down the shitter every once in a while, slippery sloping into not doing anything for yourself, like Mm -hmm. all of our self-care going to the side, slippery sloping into taking on too much as well. It can go the other way as well. Like the consistency thing, what has brought this up for me is my therapist, as we are trying, after we've done a a year of deep diving and, you know, trauma integration, Mm -hmm. we are now trying to really help me reconnect with my creativity. Mm. I don't do anything creative anymore. I don't sew anything. I don't mm-hmm. like, you, you know. don't make a podcast I every d- week. Okay, yes, I make a podcast. But <laughs> guys, I know. But I'm sorry, everybody... it's just don't say I don't okay. do anything creative. I, Come all right. on. Come on. Not to the degree that was you, bringing yes. me joy Great. even early with children. Okay. Gotcha. I am not making things yes. with my hands. Got it. Make plenty with my mouth, guys. <laughs> And so, and consistency is one of the reasons that this is blocked for me. Yeah. Okay. No question. Yeah. So she has suggested this project from that book, The Artist's Way, Mm -hmm. where you get up and like in the morning. Morning pages. Morning pages. You know. Of course. I didn't. So the morning pages, you're supposed to like five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you can commit every day. Yeah. Wake up when you have a quiet moment. Yeah. And you just write. Yeah. You don't edit it. Gobbly goop. Yeah. If I wrote blah, 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 blah for like five minutes, yeah. that is fine. Yeah. I, yeah. When is the quiet moment that's consistent? Because she said the key to this is consistency. Right. It can't be like at eight in the morning one day, 10 at night yeah. the next day. You've got to do it the same time every day. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to go back to her like in a week and be like, yeah, nah, that's no. not. What else? What else you got? <laughs> 
No. <laughs> she got, so that got me thinking about the consistency thing. Yeah. Like that should be a very simple act, but it's not. It's incredibly complicated yeah. to find that time to do that. Well, that reminds me of Liz Gilbert when we had right. her on the show. And she was just like, that's like, she was basically like, the, and this is how I'm kind of trying to bring this back yeah, around sure. to how it's not depressing, this right. whole idea. Because her point was like, are you crazy? Like, are you crazy? Don't try to do morning pages every day. You have children. Right. Like, you're, this is not conducive to your life. And this is bringing you... Like, more of a sense of, I can't do it. You know what I mean? Like, this is not a good feeling to, like, be trying to do this. Like, that's not the right fit. So what I'm trying to figure out is because that that is the other side of this, which is basically, like, it's the the acceptance, the letting go thing, you know? It's, like, the thing that is not depressing about, like, what we're saying is, to me, is that... Our whole basis for, like, setting these these goals or trying to do better is this, like, very, very cultural idea mm. that it's up to me yeah. to change my life and make my life the way I want it to be. Yes. That is very cultural. That is not the same for everyone on planet Earth. That what? is, like... Very, that is a cultural value that is specific to how we were raised. Right. And in the context of our lives right now, it may not actually apply (laughs) as much as we would like to think. Like, it's in our bones because that's part of, again, part of our culture, how we were raised, how we, how our brains have developed. But like, there's only so much you can do. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're still in this system that is set up the way that it is set up. And our lives are what they are. And the idea that we can, like, change our lives by just saying, I'm going to do blah, blah, blah (laughs) on top of everything else I'm doing. Right. Just sometimes it's just not realistic. And so then I think the part that is helpful to me about this conversation, it's acceptance that, like, I'm not broken. Mm. I'm doing great like I'm doing I'm making the most of the situation that I'm in right now right and I'm finding a way to make things work the best way that they can for me but like that's the answer to that is not always going to be I will do better I'll do everything I'm doing right now only a little better (laughs) but obviously that's not taking into account like the genuine desire Mm. to do this stuff and to have that creative outlet so it's I don't know the answer to that part of it right I just do know that it doesn't work to just give ourselves more to do (laughs) do you know what I'm saying like there has to be another way do you mean just accepting that we consistently will never be consistent again? I don't know. Oh, that's that, hard for me. I don't know if I, I like don't that. Do yeah, very that's, well I don't. That. I don't either. I mean, what was Some people once? Do. <laughs> what was once kind of funny and true about the bar being so low? Yeah. As my kids get older, and mm-hmm. as we enter this other place of like everybody's in school, like the scenario has changed some. Mm-hmm. So with my time being different now than it was when I had like a infant or a toddler with me all the time or whatever, like I have some room to change what I'm consistent about. Mm-hmm. But if I'm out of practice being consistent because I have been 
so consistent with the needs of others, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, like, how do I, how mm. do I shift? Yeah. How, if I've suddenly got, yeah. there may be a day where we all have an extra, yeah. you know, a chunk yeah. of time, not yeah. even like 15 minutes, because that's yeah. bullshit. Right. But like a chunk of time or a day or whatever. Yeah. I would hate to see the acceptance of the low bar or the however you want to phrase it. Because I agree. I think, yeah, we do a shit ton Mm -hmm. that we are consistently doing. Mm -hmm. But when we don't have to do that, how do we bring back the consistency? I hear that. So I think like that, that this may be a conversation about just being in sort of different places right now with ages of kids and what's happening in our houses where it's like, okay, I, you know, I do have some more wiggle room. I, I, I should be able to say, for example, write every day for 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. but I also still don't Mm -hmm. because while I want consistency, everybody else has their idea of what consistency is that's living in my house. Yeah. They experience, the consistency of me answering their questions, the consistency of me watching Wildcrats in the morning with them, their yeah. consistency of breakfast. or You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think we're also not being fair to ourselves if we are living with other people in our house that they also have what is consistent to them. I know. That involves us. That, I, that makes total sense. Like, I think it's a, it's a priority thing right. where, like, oh. when our kids were babies, yeah. we were prioritizing certain things about them to yes. keep them alive yes. for survival. Yes, which is which makes sense. Now that they are older and they're surviving and they're doing okay, <laughs> yeah, we're still often prioritizing their consistency, yeah, and still sacrificing some things that might actually serve us and maybe even our families better right right? so i think that makes total sense like reassessing that a little bit like can can something wait because it's a priority for me to do this thing that i want to do like yeah but then there's all the work of like but now i have to explain explain that that over and and over until their understanding yeah because you're asking them to change what is a known consistent for them yeah well we Probably should have stuck with that first topic we were talking about, scissors. (laughs) One Bad Mother is supported in part by Blinkist. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know info from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to on your phone, tablet, or computer. Do you remember when you used to like to learn things? (laughs) (laughs) I do. 12 million people use Blinkist right now, and it has a huge, ever-growing library from self-help, business, and health to history books. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. 
Go to Blinkist.com slash badmother to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash badmother to start your free seven-day trial. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. So, normally take all parenting books with a grain of salt, right? But I will say I have found one that has actually helped me made things better in my house it's called calmer easier happier parenting which was the title that totally turned me off it probably appeals to other people <laughs> but i was like oh god no that this won't this won't but based on who recommended it to me i thought okay they wouldn't they know and right. they wouldn't recommend this to me knowing my kids you know if it didn't if it wasn't helpful and I will say it obviously it's not going to change our lives or change who lives in my house. But the thing that has really shifted is it is like all about basically like positive reinforcement and descriptive praise, which I kind of thought I knew what that was. And I kind of thought that I hated it, Mm. even though I kind of did it sometimes. But just basically, I got I feel like I got a handle on a technique for it that has actually changed for the better, like my relationship with my kids and has like really made certain things a lot easier. It took a few weeks to like really start to see it working, but it actually has. So I I guess I consider this a genius moment. Because, like, certain things that used to feel really hard are feeling really good. Good job. Yeah. This is, that is, that's some excellent work. Thank you. Good job. My genius carries an equal weight. Okay. (laughs) Of emotional growth. Katie Bell, Stefan, and I all enjoy watching Star Trek Next Generation together. (laughs) I grew up watching, I didn't grow up, I was a little older, but anyway, Next Gen, I really love, watched it with my parents, we also watched the original Star Trek, I am a Star Trek fan, Stefan never watched them, so when Netflix put them back out, all re-digitalized, it was something he could watch at night, where I didn't have to be, like, it wasn't one of those, you're watching a show without me, it'd be like, enjoy, which was its own genius, but then Katie Bella started wanting to hang out and watch it, and she's way into it and loves it. And it is really nice. We just, after Alice goes down, we just sit and watch 45 minutes of Captain Picard just getting fucked with in space. That's awesome. (laughs) It is really just nice. Good. Yep. Good job. Thanks. Hey, Biz and Teresa, this is a genius. And also, I just have to say, there are times I call the hotline 
and don't leave a message just because it's nice to be able to hear someone telling me personally one-on-one you're doing a great job. So thanks for that. Um, this is like a really minor genius in the grand scheme of things, but it's big to me. So we, our third baby is like we're all done because I have hyperemesis when I'm pregnant and we're not having any more kids. And I'm really sad because he's going to be two next month. So I'm starting to pack up all the baby stuff and you can probably hear him and Blippi in the background. But I'm really sad because he's outgrowing all of his little baby hooded towels. But my hair is so long, it's literally down to my ass right now. And I have discovered that the head wrap on a baby hooded towel more or less fits around my head. And then the rest of the towel is long enough to wrap my hair up. Because typical, like, hair twisty towels are just, like, too short for my hair anymore. And so I am able to salvage his baby hooded towels and keep them around a little longer and enjoy the memories of him being all bundled up in a cute little hooded towel because now I can use them on my long ass hair. So any other moms out there with long ass hair, like hair literally long enough that it's touching your ass, grab a hooded towel and wrap that hair up and stop dripping everywhere on your clean clothes because this has been a game changer. So minor genius, but big deal to me. Thanks. I'm finally doing a great job. I'm going to take the win where I can get it. You guys are awesome. Bye. I am pretty sure that this is not your definitive best job moment. No, I'm pretty sure you've had other great jobs. But good job. I love this genius. Yeah, sure. I love this genius. Yeah. That is, you are doing a great job. Way to repurpose Yes! Yes! And embrace your last baby's childhood (laughs) failures. Fail, 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 fail! You suck. Fail me, Teresa. Okay. This is an actual fail. Over the holidays, Grace asked for a sip of my wine, which had never happened. And I let her have a sip of my wine, thinking this will be the end of this. But she actually liked it. She said it tasted bad, but it felt so good in her throat or something. (laughs) I don't know. I really regretted doing that Mm -hmm. but I I I mean I don't know it is what it is you know but so then she was talking about alcohol and like (laughs) talking about it in a very positive way for the next few days after that and it was Jesse and I were just looking at each other like oh my god this I don't even know like I don't even know so Curtis overheard everything he listens to everything (laughs) and he heard her say a lot of different things and when we were at soccer the other night I was offering him his water because it was a water break and he was like no 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 to everything that night like I don't want to do this I don't like soccer I don't like the coach I don't like my shoes I don't like this I don't like I don't want that I want to go home blah 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 and I handed him his water and he said I don't want water I want alcohol (laughs) (laughs) well yeah there you go yeah, that there's multiple things happening in that. I know. Yeah, it's the old sure try it. You're yeah, gonna hate you're gonna it. Hate We've it. done it. We've like Katie Bell try. Yeah. It. You know. Oh God, I'm yep. sorry. Yep. Yep. Okay, Katie Bell had a friend who had a yard sale this weekend, and so Katie Bell was going to hang out 
at the yard sale and Ellis wanted to go to the yard sale. And I knew these people had Legos and Ellis is very into Legos. And while I am always impressed that six-year-old Ellis can go through a random box of many Lego figures that have been deassembled and reassembled in the wrong ways and identify all the Star Wars ones. I was just like, what the fuck is happening? He's like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, obscure. Mm-hmm. Okay. The plus side of this is we, we took home some really fun Legos. Cool. The fail is we went back to pick up Katie Bell. Oh. And I'm just going to say we now have... A whole lot of Legos. Oh, we just went ahead yeah. and because that's you. what you need. Because that's definitely not what we need. <laughs> I mean, like it's they're in the garage. Wow. But it was it was a good deal. Okay. Eh, it wasn't. There's so many fucking Legos in my fucking house. <laughs> hey, one bed mother. This is a fail. I'm pretty entertained by it though. So it's like. I guess it could be worse, but I have dinner plans with my in-laws tonight. My husband is at work, and I was thinking, you know, we're just going to get ahead of the bath time, and after you eat lunch, uh, we'll just give you a bath, which Dad was a great genius because he was covered in peanut butter and jelly. What I didn't expect, or I guess the fail part, what's coming up, is that bath time happened, went great. And we always kind of let him run around naked for a little bit. He's 15 months old. So he takes a piss on the floor, and I'm like, "Mm, okay. Like, I let you run around without a diaper on, so this is to be expected, whatever. (laughs) The real, like, crux of this fail is when I go, all right, so I'll just clean up some pee, kind of finish the thing I'm doing, and then turn around to see, oh, he's stomping in the pee like it's a puddle and then running around the house. So... It's not just, oh, I have to clean up some pee. It's, oh, I have to, like, mop the floor and wash his feet again because he's running around in his own urine. (laughs) Thanks for the show. You're doing a good job. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You are a horrible uh, parent. Mm -hmm. You let that child dance in pee. You're a horrible parent. Not at all. But, you know. (laughs) For the sake of the show. Wow! Don't share that with anybody in line at Target. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Beta Brand. Do you have a to-do list that never seems to end? Yes. Running from a flight straight into a meeting? Sometimes. Still have to cook dinner for yourself and everyone else. Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are perfect for the office, home, and anywhere your day takes you. With Beta Brand, you never have to sacrifice comfort or function for style. Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are super comfy, perfectly stretchy and stay wrinkle free. Whatever your style, Beta Brand has the pants to match. Choose from dozens of colors, patterns, cuts and styles like boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped and more. They even have a pair with eight, yes eight, pockets. 
Right now, our listeners can get 20% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash badmother. That's 20% off your first order at betabrand.com slash badmother. Millions of women agree these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. Go to betabrand.com slash badmother for 20% off. Hey, Teresa, let's call someone today. Teresa, this week we are talking to two people. We have Patrice Karst, who is the best-selling author of The Invisible String, The Invisible Leash, and The Invisible Web, You Are Never Alone, an Invisible String Lullaby. She has also written The Smile That Went Around the World. We also have with us Dr. Dana Weiss, who holds a doctorate from Lesley University in expressive therapy and is a board-certified art therapist and licensed marriage and family therapist. Her studies focus on art-based research. Together, they co-authored the Invisible String Workbook. Welcome, Patrice and Dr. Weiss. Thanks. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Before we get started, we always like to ask our guest, who lives in your house? So, Patrice, let's start with you. Who lives in your house? It's myself, (laughs) and I have a um, 10-month-old, heavily shedding wiener dog named Luna. Aha, the wiener dog. (laughs) I love the it. The wiener dog. The wiener There's nothing like them. No, 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 there is not. There were two in my neighborhood growing up, and they taunted and tormented me my entire... Oh, no. No, nah, they were all right. They were all right. But like, anyway, I'm not going to derail us on the wiener dog story of my childhood. Uh, we will save that for another time. Dr. Weiss, who lives in your house? Um, I live there with my husband, and we have a year and a half um, beagle. Oh, so no. They have not met yet. Our two dogs have not met yet, but they probably should. And ours is named Blaze Wick, <laughs> after the movie John Wick, oh. which was probably not a smart name because he is a man of a dog of focus, and he will hunt anything he can find on. He will kill you in a matter of minutes. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, let's get into the books and the workbook. First of all, Patrice, your books basically are designed to spread the message that no one is ever truly alone because we are connected to everyone we love through invisible strings. Um, This book I know is used a lot in helping children with grief and loss. Can you tell us about the string metaphor and how you came up with that? Yeah, it's one of my favorite stories to tell. Um, So 20 years ago, 22 maybe now, I don't know exactly, but my son was um, a small little guy. I think he was four or five. And I was a single working mom, and he had really bad separation anxiety. And um, when I would bring him to preschool and leave to go to work, he would cry. And then I would cry, and we would both just be a hot mess. And it was just, you know, it wasn't good. It was, it was a sad thing, and nothing I said to him seemed to comfort him until one day I told him what was 
obvious to me, but I guess I just spelled it out and said, you know, we're connected by an invisible string. And when you miss me, just pull on the string, tug on the string, and I'll feel it in my heart, and I'll tug back, and then you'll feel me, but I'm with you all day long, and never forget we're connected by this invisible string. And that was it. That was the magic bullet. It was a voila, you know, his his tears dried. That was the last of the separation anxiety from then on. When I would leave in the morning, he'd say, Mom, I'm going to be tugging the string. And I'd say, I'm going to tug it right back. And then all his little friends wanted to hear the story. Was there really an invisible string that they had to their moms and dads or grandparents or animals or what have you? And um, so I knew that I had something very special. I knew that, that somehow this concept of an invisible string was a, you know, a tangible concept that a child could understand of a very abstract thing, which is love, you know, how how do you really explain what love is? Well, love is an invisible string. It's something that connects us. And long story short, I went to a, I wrote it as a story. I thought this would be a really important children's book. And I went to a publisher that I knew, a very small publisher who was like sort of a metaphysical new age, never done a kid's book before. And I approached him and sent him the manuscript and he said let's publish it so it came out in 2000 and uh the rest is history did you i mean as you said it started from this place of helping children you know understand that you know we are connected through love and did you at the time realize that it was also going to be such a a wonderful way to help children deal with with grief no well i'll tell you that that's interesting too because um the publisher and i i had written one one word on one page in the book the word heaven um because i Mm. did think that it was very important though it was certainly not the focus of the book it was one word on one page Uh, i thought it was very important that if we're going to explain this concept of the string that transcends time and space that that we you know, let the world know that um, the children know that they're connected forever to those that they love that have passed from this earthly plane. And the publisher at the time was very reticent. He didn't want it to, you know, just to bring up the idea of death, you know, in yeah. a in a kid's book and, and, and all of that. But I fought, you know, I fought for that word. And it's pretty ironic because that one word on that one page is what has really just propelled the invisible string onto, you know, a, a much bigger stage. Even though it is the number one book for children for death and dying, it's also used for multitudes of other reasons, celebrations and, you know, but I don't think it would have gotten the exposure and the popularity it did if we had left out that one subject. And that's the one that I probably get the most letters about people profoundly thanking me for helping their children, helping to be able to bring up the conversation about death, which is so important. <laughs> I can't emphasize yeah. that enough. You know, it's an important subject that we cannot shy away from, and kids are going to face death, be it a hamster or the dead bird they see when they're taking a walk or what they hear on the news or a beloved grandparent. So the sooner we can um, bring up the, you know, the conceptualization of death, the better, I think, with kids. Well, that actually leads me to you, Dr. Weiss. Your your work is in marriage and, and family therapy, and you have used the invisible string in your therapy sessions, right? This is how this was a tool for you, correct? 
Correct. And that's how we ended up meeting originally. So I work in a locked placement where the children have been removed from their homes because of abuse and neglect and loss. And we have about 60 youth that we work with. And I do the training for the whole entire building. So not only was I using it for individual therapy and the work I did with the clients, but I've also used the book um, as a resource and a guide to discuss grief and loss and to discuss trauma and to discuss just connection in general in almost all of my trainings I do. So I've probably read the book single-handedly to probably about 20,000 people myself. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was going to say, with your experience in your field and as a licensed therapist, can you talk a little bit more about why you, how you have found this book helpful with children dealing with grief, you know, despite the fact that we know this is a wonderful book about any separation mm-hmm. anxiety you might have, but uh, ding, ding, this really has become tied with helping us talk to our children about this. So can you talk a little bit about why it, it is such a helpful tool? It's just a, such a concrete representation of something that's a felt sense. It's really hard to pinpoint this understanding of connection and how you feel it and how it happens. And in, in most of the books I read, which there's some great ones out there, there's not such this beautiful, concrete, easy to understand. It was like what Patrice was saying before, just metaphor that just makes sense. And as we started using this book with our youth, we started seeing them say things to us like, I know they're not here anymore, but I still feel it. I'm feeling the tug, so I I know they're somewhere, and it's okay. So it became this really beautiful metaphor and way for them to tangibly feel people that they were no longer with. And it's also helped with adults understanding Mm -hmm. that haven't experienced grief and are working with children who are having these profound incidents of grief and loss, if you haven't had that experience, it's really hard to communicate and understand it. So I think the book also bridges that gap for people who are helping, but don't really fully have that sense or have never felt it. So you, because you've been using it in your practice, Talk to us about how the collaboration began and the workbook that came out of that collaboration a little. Well, one of the clients we were doing the work with and that we were using this book because of a grief and loss issue, actually two of the youth we were working with, one wrote a poem and another one did a card for Patrice. (laughs) And between them and a group that I was training at the time, I I shared the poem with the group I was training with, and everyone's like, you should tell Patrice and share it. And I was like, she's not going to respond back to us. Just stop. (laughs) And so I, for probably like a month... But she has no life, so she did. (laughs) I was, everyone was begging me. They're like, you found her email in the book. Just reach out to her and tell her what we've done with it. And I was like, okay, fine. So I reached out through email after a lot of of encouragement from (laughs) some people I've trained and from the youth who are like so excited to share it with her. And um, within probably about a week after that, we had plans to meet and discuss and just talk about how we've used the book and the activities we've done and We met at one of my favorite restaurants in Venice Beach, and it's now even more of my favorite restaurant because it became a place that created one of my dreams in life, which was to publish with Patrice. 
It is amazing that the the workbook. How I guess I want to talk about here from both of you a little bit about how you think the workbook is best put to use and and who it's for. I was looking at it and I was thinking some of this I I would be hard for if it was just like me and my one child <laughs> like to be like now we're <laughs> now we're going to you know draw this or you can you can you know do this like my kid would probably look at me and be like nope I've got to do, I've got to process a different way. But I could also see it working really well in a group scenario. And that's my kids. That's not other kids, you know. So, and I could also see it being something that would help me process it, even though my child might not be wanting to do the workbook exactly as anywho. All that said, <laughs> Patrice, I, I'd like to ask you first, What when you guys started working on this workbook and, and got through with it, how did you sort of envision it being used? Who was it for? Well, you know, originally when Dana, um, when we met for lunch, she started telling me about all the different wonderful activities they had created, she had created for use with the workbook, with the, with the invisible string, because the invisible string just lends itself to so many different kinds of projects and activities and so i envisioned that it would be used by you know you know camps and schools mm-hmm. and therapists and you know things like that but the more we sort of dug into it and the different activities started um being created it really occurred to me that yes not only you know could it be used and should it be and and it will be used by um so many different groups but really everyone that loves the invisible string I think could use the workbook with their kid. And even if the child isn't maybe into all the activities, there's bound to be a couple that are, you know, that speak to that child because some of them are art activities, some of them are writing, some of them are games, some of them are sort of journal-y stuff. Some of them are, you know, they're, they're all different. But I think anyone that wants to take the message of the invisible string to a deeper level is a candidate for getting the workbook. Dr. Weiss, uh, how about you? How did is this similar? Have you found that there are uses you weren't prepared for after you guys created it? What was what was your thoughts about the workbook? I agree that I think it could be for anyone. And the interesting thing about writing this workbook is I work with adolescents and we have a children's publisher. So the balance of me working with adolescents who some of them love the book and some of them think it's the most babyish thing they've ever seen in their life and want nothing to do with it. Really like guiding the book thinking in that perspective um, was interesting then being picked up by the children's publisher and then really focusing it on a younger age. So I really think that there was an amazing collaboration between Patrice and myself and the publishers to really create this book that could be used for any age. And surprisingly, um, I've done an art show and I had some book signings and I've had more adults come to me saying they're so excited to Mm -hmm. use the book for themselves, Mm -hmm. probably than Mm -hmm. people coming to me and saying they're excited to use it with their children. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, We've done a couple groups with the book at our center and we've had kids that loved it. And then we had kids that have really poor connection with people in life and they don't really feel attached to people and they've really struggled with it. And then we found shifting it from people to animals 
made all the difference. And we did all the same activities. We took out the name, the invisible string. We just said, the animal you're connected to. And it was amazing the shift that that can happen. And I think you're right. Sometimes a parent with a child who maybe is struggling to do it or not getting into it would be harder than a therapist or a teacher or someone who's a little more savvy at making kids who aren't wanting to do anything they're asking kind of shift a little bit. Um, but the intention is really that a parent could do some really fun activities with their kids. Patrice and I talked a lot about um, just giving somebody something that wasn't on a phone or that if it was like a parent who was far away, that how could you do these creative activities and then take pictures and share them with each other and things like that. So really the idea was any kind of activity we could throw in there to create these senses of connection and attachment in a time when we're really very disconnected. Yeah, no, I'm just sitting here thinking about this idea, not only of connection, but of connection after loss. And, you know, there's so much to talk about when it comes to grief and loss as both in helping guide our children through it, as well as allowing ourselves to process it. I think, you know, I mean, that's a completely separate discussion about how we, as people with kids in our houses, take care of ourselves while trying to take care of our of our children. I'd like to kind of just wrap up from both of you, sort of, I guess. Oh, speaking, oh. Of, speaking of our animals, Poppies. sorry about that. Poppies, the string is too tight. Um, <laughs> I'll start with uh, you, Patrice. Throughout all uh, of your writings and everything, what what is there anything that sort of surprised you or maybe when it came to how you were looking at, at things or, or just... What have you gotten out of this entire experience of writing uh, these books Um, and the workbook? Well, the workbook is, you know, it literally only just came out in December. So it's very, very, very newly out there. So more will be revealed about the stories we hear. (laughs) And I'm sure we will hear all kinds of stories from um, caregivers uh, and, you know, those that love children, those that ever were a child about how the workbook is being used and how it has, you know, created some miracles, I have no doubt. But for me, this whole process, when I wrote the book so many years ago and I got this small little publishing deal and, quite frankly, I put it out there and didn't think too much more about it. I was not really attached to the results, whether the book was going to sell zillions of copies or not. I just (laughs) knew that I had fulfilled my mission, which was to tell this story and um, that it would be available. I just could never in a million years have believed that it would become the worldwide phenomena that it's become. You know, we're getting getting close to probably 600,000 copies now, and, you know, it's in so many different languages. For me, it's just been a miracle, and I'm grateful and humbled and honored and, you know, every other adjective you can imagine, blown away, really. You know, the kind of letters I get are pretty powerful letters, you know. Lots of times it is a parent that's lost a child or a other loved one, husband, and the book helps the kids. And, you know, so it's it's not always a light subject, and yet... um, the message is so, you know, it's like love is obviously alive and well as (laughs) evidenced by the sales of the book. So, um, yeah, it's just been a thrill. 
Dr. Weiss, how about you? After, I mean, again, you were using the book, then you got to work with Patrice and the workbook came out of it. Was there anything that, you know, changed from when you went into this process to when you came out of it or anything that has surprised you or that you've you've discovered? Well, I don't know that I've actually been able to enjoy it yet. Right. So, um, I was completing well, I was completing my doctorate when we met. And so I finished my doctorate, walked, and then our book was published right after that. So it's been a whirlwind the last couple of years. And I think now it's time to just settle in. And yeah. I'm just grateful and humbled every day that I was, that she responded back to me, that Patrice brought me along on this ride. And you know, she's been so gracious and, you know, she, she knew this is one of my dreams in life was to publish. And, you know, I'm just so grateful to have such an amazing mentor and person in this work that, you know, has allowed me to be a, just a small part of this even. So I just feel grateful and I'm excited to see what happens from it. And I'm hoping it helps tons of people who really need that support. Yeah. And I just want to say, I, I'm also so thrilled because Dana, this could never have happened without you because I couldn't have come up with all these different activities. You know, you had that therapist mind that was able to just, uh, you know, see the zillions of different ways the book could be used. So thank you. Well, thank you both for your collaboration (laughs) as well as what started this all, which was the invisible string and a hard time separating from your (laughs) your son. You and your son having a hard time. I mean, as soon as you told that story, I was like, oh, what? That's totally unrelatable. (laughs) What? Do you mean... It's yeah, really the hard. thing we both we... talked about on this show for like two years straight, basically. Do you mean maybe my six-year-old still has some <laughs> attachment issues? Um, and by issues, I mean loves me very much. <laughs> so, again, not just in helping deal with grief. Uh, the book really also can help in so many ways of helping your children uh, sort of navigate all the things that we that we have to navigate. A lot of times we have to do stuff by ourselves. It's nice to have a way to explain to them that they aren't actually alone. So thank you both for coming on again. We will connect everyone with where they can find out more about the Invisible String series as well as this new workbook and how to get it and use it for themselves. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having us. It was our our pleasure. Thank you. Both of you have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too. Bye. 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 Hey, Helen. I hear you have a true-false quiz you want me to finish. I do. Here we begin. We host a trivia game show podcast on the Max Fun Network called Go Fact Yourself. 
true. Correct. The show is all about celebrity guests answering trivia questions about things J. Keith enjoys. False. We sometimes don't talk about baseball or cats. Thank God. It's questions about things they enjoy. Next, we bring on surprise experts every episode. True. Correct. Final question. It's just the two of us sitting alone with these guests. False. Correct. We have a live audience at the Angel City Brewery. See? You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month. And if you don't listen, you can go fact yourself. True. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes, and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. That was great! Again, the new workbook is the Invisible String Workbook, Creative Activities to Comfort, Calm, and Connect. It just came out. And the whole series by Patrice, including the the newest book, which is about uh, the invisible string that connects us to our, our pets. Uh, it's, so, it's so wonderful. Guys, it's another hard thing that we have to talk about <laughs> with our children that we still have to do. <laughs> Uh, if only we can stay consistent with doing all those hard things that we have to do. Uh, apparently, it's going to help our children grow and function as adults. But when we can't function as adults, we call the One Bad Mother hotline. <laughs> Let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, this is Teresa. This is a rant. I am eight months pregnant, and I have a three-year-old, and my wife has been away from business this week, and she told me that she could come home from work early to watch um, our son for my midwife appointment, and she can't, and so I am scrambling trying to find childcare for uh, my toddler, and I, I did it. I did all the hard things. I found somebody to watch him um, this afternoon, and I found, uh, like, I've been doing bedtime um, much better without her around distracting him because he's three and he won't go to bed. Um, and And I was doing okay, and then I puked up all my breakfast this morning. Again, I thought the morning sick was so good. I'm eight months pregnant. Why am I still puking? And that's not enough body fluids because he just tripped over his potty and spilled an entire little potty's worth of pee all over his bedroom carpet. And I just needed somebody to tell that to while I'm blotting up all this pee around my enormous belly. 
Um, and I just, I needed to hear you tell me that I'm doing a good job. So thank you. Thank you so much for the hotline. You are doing a good job. Yeah, you are. That's a lot. I mean, that's way too much. It's so hard. It's so hard. Eight months pregnant, you are definitely not always feeling like a magical vessel at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Your your body is, I mean, it's a vessel. (laughs) But like, you can't sitting, bending, dressing, just being in the world. Doing a lot of things that a three-year-old needs. Yeah, it's already really physically challenging. You have a three-year-old in the house. That's, that's a, that's a thing that we've talked constantly about being very unique. (laughs) It is, it's a lot. Vomiting, Mm -hmm. not fun. No. Especially, yeah. uh, It's like the cruel joke of vomiting while very, very pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's like, how is that supposed to be a thing that feels good at all? Yeah. That's, no. Like, why is that a thing? Why should that, because that's hard to to positioning and all of it. We all know. And then the pee. Because, like, you're mastering all the, like, I mean, I remember... When the first couple of times Stefan would be gone for big trips, and then you're like, "Okay, I'm doing the stuff that I usually yeah. had a partner to help me with. Yeah. I'm now having to do by mm-hmm. myself, and it's really, really hard, mm-hmm. and it's not easy. Why isn't everybody just going to sleep? Just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I did all the stuff, and like all the ugh, the bedtime routines just became exhausting because it was something we split up, and then suddenly." All of it. And, and it's really hard. It's a lot. It's, and it's emo- at the end of the day. And it's the end of the day. It yeah. is emotionally draining and physically tiring, especially yes. when you are eight months pregnant and you have been throwing up. And then to have to clean. It's always just that little thing. Yeah. And then and then one more thing happens. Yeah. And you have to do it. I think it's that like realization. There's no one else here. Yeah. To do this. Yeah. But me. Yep. And I am making a choice. <laughs> am I going to do something about it mm-hmm. or not? Yeah. And we usually do something about it because we're trying to be people. Yeah. And so it's hard. It's so much. Yeah. It's too much. You're doing a fucking amazing job. Yeah, you are. You're doing an amazing job. You are amazing. You are amazing. You are doing a good job. It's a lot. And we see you like we see you. Yeah. You have been seen and are amazing. Teresa, what did we learn today? That I I do miss consistency mm-hmm. that is focused on my needs. Yeah. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Yeah. You're right. I We are being really good at being consistent about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, from work to family to just taking a shower. Like, yeah. we're, we are doing it. Um, I think where the, like, uh, the struggle for me mm-hmm. is just that the consistency I'm missing is things that have to do with, like, self-care. Care. Yeah. The yeah. next level of self-care that I would like to have yes. in my life. Personal... Personal care yeah. and personal goals. Yeah. yeah. And it could very easily also shift to, 
something that my kids need, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I wish I could be more consistent with X, Y, or Z, like certain house rules or whatever. But the fatigue and all the other consistency I'm doing such a great job at (laughs) makes it really easy to let a lot of stuff go. So, I don't know. You're right. It's like the New Year's resolutions. Yeah. You know, eh. Yeah. Maybe we should just never want anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we should keep trying. Okay. I just think we have to recognize that it's that it's that some things are not in our control. Like I think right. that it, you know, like I think I think trying is so good. Like we have to in in a sense part of this is not get, giving up. You know, because if we give up then we go to that other place of like yeah. can't have anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I will ever want stuff it's like that constant exercise of like of like just because like something failed doesn't mean like there isn't another way at a future point or a different way to achieve this same thing that i'm going for let us consistently look towards the future (laughs) great (laughs) Uh, let this be the year of it being a better year yeah (laughs) yes the year of being a better year. Everybody, you're doing a really good job. Yeah, you are, guys. It, I mean, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. So I have to assume you're all very tired, too. Yep. <laughs> and uh, there's so much. There's so much to consistently be aware of. And you're doing it. You really are. You are doing a good job. You are doing a good job job. You are seen. You are doing it. It's being done. Okay? Try to try to remember that if you can. If not, put on your favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa? Yes. You are doing a good job. Thank you, Biz. So are you. Thank you. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.